0: Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to Bakersfield, California, where I am with the Rainbow Warrior basketball team. They are getting ready for tomorrow night's game. Against uh, University, oh, is it Cal State Bakersfield? That's it, and uh, and that's going to be an interesting game because Hawaii's trying to recover from a home loss to Cal State Fuller, a team that sort of had their number in recent years, and uh, hopefully, in fact, the last two times they've lost in the NCAA uh, or Big West tournament was to Cal State Fuller. The Titans have been their nemesis. Cal State Bakersfield has not been as uh, successful against Hawaii, except for the first year they were in the conference when they beat them at the Stan Sheriff Center. So I am I am anticipating a comeback. Team traveled well. That's a ter- terribly long flight, it uh, just seemed like. In fact, we s- sat on the tarmac after we landed uh, for, I don't know, indefinitely, it seemed like. So that that was a long, long time before anyone got into the gate to get up to move. And uh, so I thought they weathered it well. And they'll be practicing uh, later today, and uh, that'll be fun to watch and see how they respond. I suspect that they'll really come out fighting on this one. That's what I would think. Uh, We'll have more basketball as we uh, go on and answer any questions you might have. The other thing, because what I'm curious about is that are they going to go back to Matthew Cotton, or are they going to stay with Ryan Rapp? At the small forward position, I don't know the answer to that. Um, We will find out, though, and I'll I'll inform you from practice and keep everybody in the loop on that one. Um, Now, I do want to talk about this because this is a hard thing to do for any coach, but Timmy Chang made a pretty significant change on his uh, coaching staff, and that's hard to do. I mean, I don't think anybody finds that easy to do because what happens is you develop – and especially for Timmy, because he develops this thing as a kind of a family, and he treats it that way i mean there are there are coaches I know who have done that, there are others who have totally the opposite, like Todd Graham is completely the opposite of that but But for timmy Chang he wants it to be like a family atmosphere i mean he'll be you can see him in there with his kids and you know. Todd Graham never did that, except to except to make his son the offensive coordinator. But aside from that, it wasn't a family affair. And so, I think what we're going to uh, see uh, upcoming is the next stage in Timmy's development as a coach. Because if something's not working, you just can't afford to stay with it until you find you know, until it turns around. Because you know, if you if you start to see that it's not working, you got to move, and that's what Timmy did. So if there's three coaches that are no longer on the staff. One of them's not a shock because Ian Shoemaker didn't surprise me. He was brought in to be the offensive coordinator. And, uh, and then Timmy Chang took it over because they, they weren't moving the ball or scoring like they had, like his team's had at Eastern Washington. And then uh, Etienne was promoted to, to co-defensive coordinator uh, for, this, for last season. That didn't work well. And another new coach, Steve Irvin, who was coaching the DBs, he also was let go. So they've got, to, they've got three spots on the staff they've got to fill. And I think filling these spots wisely is a key to success. Just have to do it. I mean, it's tough as it is. That has to be done. If you have any questions or comments, suggestions, or opinions, go ahead and light it up. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And now I, I, we're looking at a situation where Hawaii will have you, when you think of it, there's only 10 guys on the staff. So he's going to replace 30% of his coaching staff. That's, that's a lot. And uh, But I, I guess there's no sense pulling the Band-Aid off slowly if you've decided this is what you have to do. But I've talked to various coaches, one of whom is currently a volunteer assistant that was a high school coach, you know I don't mention his name because I'm looking embarrassing. But he was devastated by his firing, and I think that often happens. I mean, there's some, first of all, there's only so many of these college jobs around. People think, ah, oh, there's plenty of jobs. There's not really plenty of jobs, and people scramble for them. So it's it's a hard thing. And and any coach who's ever been fired knows what that's like. So they're not they don't do it they don't do it cavalierly at, by any stretch. Go ahead if you have something. I keep hearing this stuff, and I just want to get to this for a second. I keep hearing about how the NFL has to make some changes over that call in the Dallas-Detroit game. I, what are they going to do? guy made a mistake. I mean, I, you know, he says he didn't hear him declare himself as a, a receiver. I, you know, whatever it is, he just didn't do it. And, or the guy was, didn't hear it, which is just as bad. So now I think everybody's going to be demonstrative about those changes. And I don't blame them. I think you have to be almost. But it's going to be, I think it will be awkward. And, I, you know, that's an ongoing thing. They're the best paid officials going uh, in the NFL. And I, I just don't know that you can expect this to be, get any better because the scrutiny is so great. And people say, well, they've got a ton of, rece- of officials. What, are they now eight altogether? I just think that's – don't expect uh, miracles. I mean, there's going to be mistakes made. As much as everybody hates it, they says, well, we've got nine angles on replay. Well, if, if the official didn't have one of them, uh, the one that you are all seeing, then there's probably going to be some missed calls. I just think it's – listen, there's a time and place at which you have to live with this. I know everybody says, no, why, why do we do that? Why do we make it perfect? You can't make it perfect. There's human beings involved. That's my sense. I mean, uh, listen. I I'm all about getting it as right as you can. If something warrants a replay, replay it. I mean, I. But there's situations where did he or did he or did he not declare himself? Well, how do you, how do you, legislate that? I mean, it's very hard. You can have it. We're going to have a tutorial on making yourself understood clearly. I mean, that would be the uh, the only thing I can think of that you might uh you might go to this, but that would just be done to satisfy the fans. And you'll never satisfy the fans whose team was wronged. So that's just how it goes. There's no there's no fix in that one. Go ahead if you have something, I'd love to hear from you today. Eight oh eight by the way it's colder now up here. It was forty eight degrees this morning. Now I've been I grew up in New York. I, I know better than anybody. Forty eight degrees is not the end of the world. It's not super super cold But when you're coming out of 75, 80, and you're into this, it's cold. I didn't. I guess I missed. I I casually put the heat on last night in the room, that little little unit they have on a hotel wall. But I must not have hit it right, because when I got up, it was on cool, and man, it was cool. So I am uh, very happy to be warmed up here a little bit and uh, happy to be talking with you and and very happy that i am I, I sometimes i get a reminder how happy i am to be alive and kicking even though i would say i'm not 100 but i'm getting ever closer and i'm very grateful to be in this seat well not this one but you know what i mean anyway i just thought i was seeing a little story on uh you know what happens if Baltimore doesn't go all the way because people are expecting the Ravens? I mean, because the Ravens have demolished some good teams. And I think they're feeling like, you know, what the heck. I think for the necessity, I don't think it would go well for, say, Miami if they had to play again in Baltimore. I think their best chance is that the uh, the Ravens get eliminated before they get to Miami. That's what If I was two, that's what I'd be hoping for because... That team gives them grief, and it's not only it's not that they have trouble, uh, trouble scoring. They score, uh, but but they don't stop scoring. It, it seems like that team has their number. And listen, do I agree, think that Lamar Jackson's fab is? I've been saying for a while that Lamar Jackson would get my vote for the MVP way before last weekend. But that is uh, now I think it's an increasingly popular opinion. But how long is it going to go? Do we do we know? I mean, I think the answer is, we don't know. We do, I think it's I think it's essentially over, because I just think everybody else. This is what happens when you're in contention for an award, a bad game, and suddenly no no more talk of awards. Simple as that, and that's what's happened to a couple of guys. So, I mean, I think uh, uh, Brock Purdy was pretty ordinary in his last one, and that's probably it him because he was fighting already as it was the game manager destination and uh when he has a great game everyone overlooks that and just they don't talk about the weapons they just say good on him but for some reason there's always this uh this little sense that that Lamar Jackson's just not really a, he's not a prototype NFL quarterback he's way too good a runner he may be the best runner at the quarterback position we've ever had. Now, I think that's likely, in fact. I mean, you tell me who's better. I mean, there's been some good guys, I get it, going back to the Randall Cunninghams and some others of his ilk. But I, I would say Lamar Jackson's probably the best. And it's that doesn't sit crazily well with some people. I understand that. I don't think that's a shocker. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout. And we're going to have Rich Miano on. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Changing a staff, whether it be high school, colleges, the pros. How tough is that from the coach perspective? He's been all kinds of sides of that. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about the college football playoffs. And now, of course, with the uh, terrific win for Washington and Michael, fabulous performance by Michael Penix. And, and then I think uh michigan's win and that really wasn't a surprise to many uh, and that one i thought i thought michigan although it was a very good game both of them were good games all uh, right let's get to this we will take a quick timeout. when we come back I'll tell you what we'll do before we even start with rich why don't we give a couple is it wahine basketball tonight well it's today for tomorrow night right Okay, there we go. So we're giving the tickets away today. You might get some tomorrow too, but you definitely for tomorrow uh, you can get these uh, these basketball tickets. Uh, give us a ring, 296-808-296-1420. It's the Bobby Curran Show from Bakersfield. We'll be back with Rich Miano right after this. Welcome back to this Wednesday morning edition of the program want to do this right away we're going to not mess around we're going to give the first person who calls a pair of rainbow wahaney tickets for tomorrow night against cal state bakersfield all you got to do is call and uh and hopefully tanner will inform us when somebody uh does call in and earns the tickets let's welcome to the program rich biano uh spectrum analyst former nfl player former high school coach college coach was a head coach in high school, actually. So, Rich Miano with us now? Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Rich, how are you? You know, I was just thinking about the human side of when a coach has to make change or feels he has to make changes, because I know that that's happened. You've seen it happen at every level. I mean, in high school, you you are the head coach at Kaiser, which seems to be a program that always has controversy around it. And when you have to make a staff change, usually it doesn't affect someone's livelihood when you cut a high school coach. Uh, but if you trim a college coach, it's a different story. And in the pros, it can be catastrophic. So, I mean, a guy is, you know, oftentimes making assistant coach in the pros nowadays are making four and 500000 I mean, that job goes away. There's only so many of those. College coaches now, depending on where you're at, that varies so wildly. But it's a living. Anyway, and I don't don't think Timmy Chang's the guy who takes those kind of decisions lightly.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Timmy loved his staff. I think he loved their people. You know, you you end up loving the person and knowing their families and understanding that in this world of college football, it's tough to get a job. So to fire somebody, and then it comes around the holiday season, do you fire them before Christmas? Is it around the New Year's? Uh, you have to allow them to try to go seek employment elsewhere. So, I know that was extremely difficult for Kimmy Chang to let go of some of those guys yesterday. But uh, it's something I think he felt, and a, a lot of others felt that there has to be some changes.
0: Well, listen, this is part of the This is what you sign up for. As horrible as it is, it's what you sign up for. I mean, it's just no two ways around it. Did you have any pro of your pro coaches fired while you were a member of a team?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was with the New York Jets, they fired the head coach, Joe Walton, and then Pete Carroll came in as my defensive back coach, and it was uh, Bruce Coslett was the head coach. Then when I was with the Philadelphia Eagles, they fired um, Rich Kotite and brought in, I'm trying to think who they brought in, but they brought in a whole new staff, and that's the reason I went to the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, guys, I remember going to a, a con- convention years ago and the guest speaker was pete carroll and he said this was his eighth job in 24 years do the math and i tell young coaches all the time if you're going to get into this world of college football coaching this is a high performance business you mentioned bobby how much money these uh young men are these young coaches are making and if you don't perform you're going to get fired and it's going to usually be the whole staff and not like individual coaches
0: yeah but i think you do see it happen uh, especially with coordinators, it seems that they often take the brunt. They decide they're not ready to part with the head coach quite yet, so they give him a chance to hire a new offensive or defensive coordinator. We see that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, you do, and you see that in the NFL. You see that in college football, and you're exactly right. If the offense, like for instance, a good case in point was Timmy Chang changed to the run and shoot kind of mid-season, in in almost uh, three quarters of the way through the season of his first year. Well. Those coaches were not recruited, although they were not, yeah, they were not recruited to coach the run-and-shoot, and and a lot of them did not have run-and-shoot experience. So that right there, a philosophical difference, uh, probably changed some of their coaching lives.
0: Well, you know, taking, for example, uh, Ian Schumacher was very successful at Eastern Washington, put up huge numbers. Sometimes it's just the fit. You know, the fit isn't quite right. And he wasn't exactly running the run and shoot, but it was a high-powered, very powerful passing offense. And for some reason, it just never got traction here.
1: Yeah, it didn't. It didn't get traction. And then, you know, it was one of those deals where it might have been more of a fit type of thing. And then, again, it was, you know, Kimmy Chang did not really know him well prior to him uh, becoming the offensive coordinator and I think the assistant head coach as well. So that was something that um, it just didn't work out. And, Bobby, you know, you're right. When you're not successful in college football, the professional football league, either you're going to fire the head coach or some coordinators or some assistant coaches, but things are going to be constantly changing in this world of college football and just football in general. And I I think Timmy had to make some changes. Um, I think there still could be some other changes possibly in the next few days. What what do you think the issues are, or that's
0: not a good word to put it, because it implies that there's huge problems, and I don't know that there are, but certainly there's some things that have to improve. What would they be in your mind?
1: Well, I think schematically, you know, um, the identity of the offense really took shape in the last three or four games when they started doing RPOs, when they started to run the ball better, when they started... Get rid of the football, especially at the quarterback position, in terms of the bubble screens, the hitches, the smoke throws, um, that whole quick game package, and then teaching the quarterback to you know run when things are not open, and and, and some quarterback design runs. So it kind of reminded me of Craig Stutzman, Nick Rolovich, RPO, uh, what they call the New Testament of the run and shoot. But that wasn't what Ian Shoemaker uh, was involved in. That wasn't what some of these other offensive coaches. Uh, kind of new coming into this, uh, this job description. So that was the offensive identity. On defense, I think that they also played better the last three or four games under uh, defensive coordinator Jake Euro. But at the same time, I think they felt like there's certain positional needs that have to change. There has to be, and I, and I think this came from the top, and it came from Chris Brown, is there was kind of an attitudinal change. There was kind of a culture change three-quarters of the way through the season. And, and I think that's why you're seeing um, some of these coaches leave that may be a little bit philosophically different, or just, a cha- again, continue to let everybody know, including the players. Everybody's job is under review year in and year out. I understand that. I don't know
0: what choice you have. I mean, all right, I want to get to something else for just a second. I'm sure you were absorbed in watching the college football games. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I thought that this is screwed up as the NCAA is with all of the transfer rules and transfer portal and and everything else that's going on with the NIL and all these other things. I thought it was a phenomenal day of college football. Now, I still believe that it should have been six or eight teams and Georgia and Florida State should have been in this playoff system, and now they're going to 12 games next year, and I'm not a big fan of the NCAA or anything that that group is doing in Indianapolis Um, But I was a big fan of college football. Uh, I thought that was two of the best games, two great matchups. I think that the NCAA championship is going to be a great game. So college football, I think, in general, when you look at the Pac-12, who was disbanding, they may be the three best quarterbacks in all of college. They're they're going for a national championship. You know, we all know people on the West Coast in Pac-12 teams, whether they're coaches or players and so for that conference to be no longer in existence next year or a whole new conference as we know it, that's almost a travesty in the world of capitalism and the world of college football.
0: It, it just tells you one thing. It's totally always exclusively
1: about money. And, and we, we always knew that, Bobby, right? We knew that everything revolves in this world all this country, especially around money, but at the same time, Where was the Pac-12 commissioner in terms of uh, getting a television deal where that wouldn't have exploded? Where was the NCAA? Where were the governing bodies, the presidents, the chancellors of these universities to try to hold this thing together? Because I'm I'm a big college football fan, but I'm a bigger Pac-12 fan than I am a SEC fan because of the proximity, because of coaches and players that we all know and love, and, and because we've watched it for so long. And for them not to have, you know, USC and UCLA and Washington and Oregon and Oregon State and Arizona, it's just it's a it's a travesty in itself.
0: Do you, what do you think the chances are that the new conferences, as they're scheduled to begin in September, what do you think the chances are that there's stability with that group?
1: You know what I have felt for so many years that the Power Five would kind of break away from the group of five, I I felt that the stability is all based upon, you know, television contracts and money. And and again, I I still see this could be some seismic shifts in terms of, you know, when you look at Washington State and Oregon State, are they really going to get a big, bigger television contract? No, it's going to dissipate. And I think a lot in terms of the television markets that they're going to acquire. I think that, you know, uh, uh, is it going to be the same It's not going to be close to being the same. We're going to watch, you know, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and and that's good college football, but the haves are going to continue to have so much more in terms of parallel contracts, facilities being built, NIL money. This has become – and this is professional sports, Bobby, with no parameters. At least in the NFL, you have contracts and you have option years and you have some parameters. You have nothing in college football – do you have players that are being recruited during bowl weeks and, 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 and prior to them playing in college football games and opting out of bowl games? I mean, the whole bowl game thing, I think, is, almost needs to be blown up.
0: No, you wouldn't be the only the first and last per, or last person, I think, to say that. That seems to be the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to change constantly until maybe we won't recognize it five years from now.
1: Yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. And, it's and again, it's sad because I think, you know, you and I argued year ago about a UPI and an AP um, mythical championship, and they finally got it to four. Well, it should have went to six or eight probably a few years back, and now they're going to 12. But what does that mean for all these other bowl games? What does this mean for these players that can continually, you know, what are the rules in the transfer portal? What are the rules in NIL money? All of this stuff is so Fastly changing that the NCAA in Indianapolis
0: can't has keep no up control over it. Right, can't I agree up. with you. No, and, but here's the thing: here you get a lot of guys now. You didn't make the Final Four, sort of, and guys are opting out. You almost never see a guy opt out who's going to be playing for a championship. So I don't yeah, think, I, yeah. in some ways, it'll be good because if you're in that championship, the the bowl you're in because they'll undoubtedly put these, every team, in a bowl. There'll just be more of them. And uh, I just think if you're playing for a championship, you're not going anywhere. You don't want to miss out that chance to have a great college, you know, championship, semifinal game, whatever, and and increase your standing.
1: Yeah, I I think what Chip Kelly said, any kind of joke, he didn't give it much thought, but there's going to be two conferences eventually. They're going to have like an NFL-style playoff. Um, school will not necessarily be optional, but this is going to be like a semi-pro. This is going to be like the merging of the XFL and the USFL, where college football. These kids are professional, and it's going to become more and more like that. So, whether you like that or not, it just seems to be that's the way that this uh, whole shakeup is moving. To
0: well, I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit rough on some people, but. Listen, again, there's going to be a lot of money in those playoff games. I mean, I think it'll be fascinating the first time we get an off-brand school get into, say, the Final Four.
1: Yeah, but I do think, like, the TCUs, the Hawaii's of 2006, the Boise State, that's going to continue, to me, to go to be a much tougher task only because, again, when you start offering the money that, these NILs, these college football programs are offering i think you know the blue blood the, the ohio States, the michigan's the alabama's the georgia's those people continue to get stronger although there is, there are enough college football players for it can be competitive probably in the top 20 of those schools but i can't see uh, a group of five team competing at that level anymore and i, and I was so glad there was no TCU in this final four and i, and I think the washington's uh, victory was the most impressive because it is Pac-12 and again a lot of people back east down south don't give the Pac-12 any credit. Michael Penix Jr. might be maybe the best player in college football certainly after that game I I think you could argue that so I I think you do have but I don't think you'll see Oregon State or or Washington State a team that's no longer really uh, affiliated with this power four plus two conference. Um, uh, Those guys have enough firepower have enough athletes that these other schools do well
0: I, I hear what you're saying you know there's a rumor around and i don't know if there's i don't have any confirmation on this but the rumor is that dylan gabriel got two million bucks from oregon
1: Isn't That crazy. Well, yeah, i've heard that and i've kind of confirmed that i don't know exactly i didn't check his bank account but uh yeah. that seems to be the market of somebody of dylan gabriel's stature and there are other guys we know of that have, you know, and and you know, I've heard so many things about Braden Shager didn't get any offers. That's why he came back. That's a false narrative. Um, there, there, all those quarterbacks that are on the market were constantly being recruited, were being offered, were being flown to campuses, were 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 courted right up until the very last day uh, that they either opted in or out of this transfer portal. I mean, that was the wild, wild west where. There were basically no rules, no parameters, and, uh, and and it is it's a crazy world. I think as a you have to be young as a coach. You have to be the social media NIL, constantly recruiting your own players, constantly recruiting other players. It's such a year round profession, and I think that's driving a lot of older coaches, unless they're iconic, out of college football coaching.
0: No, I understand that. I mean, you get it probably gets old. It's one thing to have to go through that recruiting cycle once a year, but to have to do it over and over again with the same kids, that, that's tough.
1: Yeah, Bobby, I mean, there's enough to do right with trying to game plan and trying to uh, make sure that these young men are doing the right thing, going to classes, uh, the, the lifestyle that a college football coach is constantly recruiting. But when you're recruiting your own players, when you're constantly hearing rumors and it's actually coming to fruition that your players are opting out not only of bowl games, but they're basically shutting it down during the season because they don't want to hurt themselves because they know that there's, the grasses could, could be greener on the other side. The travesty of this whole thing, and when you talk to college football coaches and people in this industry, is the amount of people that enter the transfer portal that end up nowhere, that end up with no scholarship, no education, oh, no ability to play football, it may be close to 50%, and those numbers are growing.
0: That's re- that's really a tough thing. Okay, last Rod, thing for you, you, Rich.
1: One last thing. One last thing. The other thing okay. is high school football recruiting. There are colleges that don't even recruit in high school anymore. They just recruit through the transfer portal. So, how do these kids out of high school get college scholarships that hopefully get an education, which is important?
0: I was talking with both Rod York and Sterling Carvalho about that because each of them typically have multiples of Division One kids, and they're admitting that some. That used to the great ones always have places to go, but right. the ones who normally would be at a Division One place are now sometimes having to go the JC route or take a lower level.
1: That's exactly
0: right. It's incredible, really. It's like it's like the, the market for high for high school football players has been shattered. It's nuts. Okay, last thing for you: who wins Washington Michigan? Oh.
1: You know, to me, that, that's the ultimate question because when you look at that offensive and defensive line, especially where the Michigan had that, the five sacks, they were running the football with Blake Corum. They're so big amongst that offensive line. But Washington's more physical than people give them credit for. I think Washington's group of receivers may be second to Ohio State. I think Michael Penix right now is playing the best football of any quarterback in the country. I obviously would like, because of the three... Hawaii football players, you know, you're talking Julius Puyo, you're talking Tui Tui Kelly, you're talking Deion Tupola, Tui, and then Michigan has Roman Wilson. So I'm normally a Pac-12 guy. I'm normally whoever has more Hawaii football players. Um, and so I've I'm, I'm, got to go with Washington. I think that would be an upset, obviously. They're underdogs, but I would love to see the Pac-12 in the year they're disbanding have a national championship to hang wherever they're going to hang it.
0: I love. I'd like to see Washington win and Roman Wilson play really well.
1: That's exactly right. Because I I got. I don't know if you have time, but Roman Wilson's a great story.
0: Is he? uh, Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what. Stay with us. I'm going to take a quick timeout. When we come back here in Bakersfield, I'd love to hear that story because that kid's impressive. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back uh, to this Wednesday edition of the program. We're in Bakersfield with the UH basketball team. We'll have a lot on that uh, in the next two days, really, because you got a pre and a, a post game for the Bakersfield, and a pre for CSUN, who's really playing well. But with us still is Rich Miano, uh, the uh, analyst for Spectrum. I, 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 everything else I introduce you as. It seems too long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it takes two minutes long. to introduce you. So anyway, right. let, but let me get to this. You said you had a yeah. story about Roman Wilson.
1: Yes. So five years ago, Bobby. You know, I do high school clinics all over the island. So I was on Maui. I was doing a high school football clinic, and we were going through the, the the combine part of that. We do the pro agility shuttle, the twenty yard dash, the forty yard dash, the vertical jump, whatever. And I noticed that there was one superior athlete to everybody else. So I walked over to him and I said, "Hey." what school do you go to? And I was expecting Lahaina Luna, Kamehameha Maui, Maui High, Baldwin High. And the young man said either Lani Intermediate School or Maui Wai'ana Intermediate School. And I go, what's your name? He goes, Roman Wilson. I go, what school are you going to next year? I couldn't believe the kid was in eighth grade. He goes, St. Louis. And I go, wow, Cali, wow. Ron already have the fastest kid in the state. In eighth grade, all the way from Maui, going to St. Louis, and I knew that guy was destined for great. How fast is he? You oh, think he is that? A legit. You know, hundred meter guy. I think he's one of the fastest ever to time in Hawaii. I, I think it was ten five nine or ten six. But I definitely think he'll clock at the combine. He'll go four low four fours, maybe high four threes, but definitely low <laughs> four four. Well, sorry, what round? I I think he'll go, he's a little bit slight in terms of size and stuff, and I don't know what his grade is, but I would imagine middle rounds, maybe even late rounds, but I think he'll stick on a roster because he is that good in his routes and his understanding of football and his knowledge uh, is superior.
0: Terrific. Hey, Rich, enjoy that national championship game, and uh, we'll talk uh, soon after that and find out. Soon it'll be draft time, and that's always fun.
1: Yeah, Bobby, we'll do that, and you have a great day as well.
0: Rich Miano from Spectrum Sports. We, are, we have time for other things if you'd like to jump in on some of this stuff. I, uh, I remember one of the high school, I think it was Rich, actually, who had said, you're not going to believe this Roman Wilson. He said, I, so I was asking him to compare some of these other St. Louis receivers. He said, no, speed-wise, not close. But, of course, doesn't it figure that Michigan comes in and picks the creme de la creme right off the top? I mean, that's nuts. But uh, they've done it, and he's good for him. He's a terrific player. I mean, I you know, and he's not very big. I mean, Michigan could run out six, four guys all day long. But he's beating all those guys out. So it tells you a little something. If you have something, go ahead, 808-296-1420. And uh, I, I just almost... Couldn't believe when I got up this morning. I, I thought of all the, because Rich played for the New York Jets, and, and in addition to one year with the Falcons, he also played a number of years for the Eagles. Let me tell you, those are cold places this time of year. You can play playing in five degrees, ten degrees. And people say, "Oh, it's football weather." I said, "No, it ain't. that's way past football weather." When someone says it's forty-seven degrees and it's a little windy, it's that's football weather. That, not not when it's five degrees. That's they should to postpone that game in my mind anyway go ahead if you have something we'd love to hear from you i'm trying to get the time here and i probably can go another minute or two if you have something i'd love to hear the pick is it going to be washington or do you think it's going to be as most people seem to expect is it going to be michigan i think that's an interesting question and uh hey did you already get the uh wahine ticket winner Okay, well, we'll see if we get one. You feel free, if you want to go to the Rainbow Wahine game against uh, Cal State Bakersfield, eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Give us a jingle, and uh, actually, it's don't the Wahine seem to do this every year? Like they get, they get crushed by really superior competition early, and then the conference starts, and like they're man eaters. It's crazy. It's uh really something else. Eight zero eight two nine six. 14 20. I'd love to hear your selection. Is it Michigan and Blake Corum and JJ McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh or is it Michael Penix and Kalen DeBoer for Washington? Give us a call and let us know your thought. We'll be right back on ESPN. Honolulu. Welcome back to Bakersfield, California. This is the Bobby Kern Show on this Wednesday. Tomorrow evening, uh, Hawaii is going to play uh, Cal State Bakersfield, the Roadrunners. And uh, and then they'll go on Friday to travel down. they got to go. Oh, it's a long drive. Uh, they'll go down to uh, play uh, Cal State Northridge, which they prefer to be called CSUN now. And I'll go along with that. It's easier to say. Uh, let's go to the phones. we got Paul on the line. Hey, Paul.
1: Oh, hi, Bobby! Happy New Year to you and uh, Tanner. There, uh, be safe in your travels there in uh, Baker's Road. I have a question about: uh, Does it is it uh, Coach Chang that does the actual firing, and and is there a severance involved? Those well,
0: I do know this: Timmy Chang makes the decision on the hiring. I don't know what the severance is. It would depend. Most most coaches these days have contracts. I would say more often than not, they're one-year deals, but it can be different with coordinators.
1: Do you remember uh, if uh, Coach Jones had to release anybody, even in the successful times? And I'll listen off the air. I know you got other callers. Thanks. Okay, Sure,
0: Paul. I don't remember that. I don't remember any coaches who might have been. Now, I think there were some coaches that sometimes had to be brought under under control a bit, but I don't recall him firing anybody. I'll have to ask him that. And uh, I I think that's an interesting question. I I don't, he's another guy that would not find it easy to fire somebody, but I can guarantee if he had to, he would. I mean, because there's always, if you don't do it, there's so many other people whose lives will be impacted or could be potentially impacted. So let's say you had back then nine on the staff, and one guy's causing a problem, or isn't, can't get the job done. Well, then all eight of them, including the head coach, could all get fired. So I mean, there's there's really, uh, pick your poison on that one. You almost have to. If you have to do it, you have to do it. And uh, go go ahead, thanks, Paul. And if, go ahead if you have something, if you want to, uh, if you want to weigh in. I think it's one of the toughest things in sports. We've seen basketball coaches have a lot of times. There's a you know, they'll kind of make it look like someone's found something else or whatever. Uh, but you can tell when it's really someone, you know, and the ideal thing is you got coached out of somebody. In other words, they, they just were so good that you couldn't afford to keep them here. I mean, like, it was amazing to me that we even had, even had Dave Aranda here because he was such a good defensive coordinator. The fact that he wasn't kept by Norm Chow was mind-boggling to me. We already knew he was really a spectacular coach, and and that the fact that he was winning a national championship and the highest-paid assistant in the country at two and a half million a year, uh, which now doesn't doesn't seem that crazy. Uh, We got Sam on the line. What's up, Sam?
1: Good morning, Bobby. How are you?
0: I'm good. What's going on?
1: Good, solid man. I just quick in. So, uh, nil. My opinion, man. I mean, change change the league. I mean, I don't think college ball will ever be the same. I don't Uh, either.
0: I, agree, I totally agree with you. It's it's nuts. And, man, when you uh, hear a college guy being bid on, this is the story well, I heard. I'll just pass on this story that I heard. I heard that Dylan Gabriel was at Ohio State when, I guess, he got an invite to visit Oregon. Now, supposedly, again, I don't have any confirmation from anyone in the family on this, but I, supposedly Ohio State was offering a million and a half. And then when he went to Oregon, the coaches were in a room, several of the – I don't know how many, but several of them, including Dan Lennon and uh, the head coach. And uh, Phil Knight walked in the room, and then someone said, and then it was over.
1: And then it was done. It was over. I mean, it was my, like, my, Phil, Phil Knight – how many guys can 100%. say,
0: Phil, like, Phil Knight can? How much you want? 100%. I mean,
1: my, my question is, is there going to be a cap? Like the NFL, eventually, you know what I mean.
0: I, I don't know. Wouldn't it be something if guys say I can't, I can't go pro because I can make more in college? I mean,
1: crazy. that's what it's going to go to, Bobby, it's wild,
0: man. <laughs> it is <laughs> real. It's truly wild. It really, before is. I, off,
1: Bobby, um, I, I didn't get to call you since that big Raiders win, but um, all on the line Sunday, maybe. Oh, actually, Saturday, Texans Colt Saturday, all on the line. But we win, we win, we win. Jags lose, win the division, regardless. I'm excited, Bobby. Always. It's
0: crazy. Oh. Who could have thought this was going to happen?
1: Instead, I, mean, I, I mean, especially
0: we got, after uh, after Richardson gets hurt. Right. I just thought this, this – I, I think it's now. been I mean, a – I think that guy should be up for the coach of the year.
1: I, I think he was in the running for for a while, but, I mean, yeah, he's not this year. I mean, he's, he just shows potential of what we can have with a healthy AR down the road and just the team in general. So the right the, the right trajectory, you know what I'm, what I'm saying
0: about it? For sure. yeah, I, I got you. All right, Sam. Be good, Thanks. man. All right, it's uh, it's 54 minutes, or coming up on 54 minutes past the hour. Hey, go ahead if you have. So you got a prediction? Can Washington? I would, I would love to see. Why I love upsets. I'd love to see Washington come up with the upset. Apologies to our former AD uh, Dave Matlin because he he's he's a Michigan man, so he probably would uh, would he definitely bleed Big Blue on this one, but. I think yeah, you got Roman Wilson, so there's going to be there's going to be somebody happy after this one in Hawaii. But as Rich mentioned, there's three Hawaii players on that Washington team, so in sh- case of sheer numbers, I, I'm like I told Rich because none of them are as high profile as Roman Wilson. So my hope is that Washington wins and Roman Wilson plays great. That's how I'm settling that in my own mind. Are we good to go? Do I have to take another timeout? Okay, and then we can talk about that. A little bit further, are there going to be more changes in college football is an interesting question. I, I think it's safe to say Kalen DeBoer, who's done a great job in Washington, probably isn't going anywhere. But as Jim Harbaugh, I think I think that he really can write his own check here. Because now all of the nonsense and the, the spy gate and all the other stuff that's been going on, He's outlasted all that. That doesn't matter to people at Michigan. He's got them in the national championship game, and most people expect them to win. That's what matters. And I, th- I think they're, you know, they're a re- very reasonable favorite. I just think, though, that uh, Washington might be a little better than people think. It's just my thought. I know not everyone is going to buy that, but that's my, that's my take on it. I think that they could be a little bit better than everybody thinks. And Michael Penix, if you watch the game, between uh, Washington last week in Texas. You, you you know what I'm talking about because that Texas defense is no slouch, and he just abused them. I mean, that was really classic. And uh, so I don't know if maybe some people, one person said, that's the greatest game he ever played. Well, hope not because if it was, then they wouldn't have much of a chance, I don't think, against Michigan, who, who might be able to wear them down. But I don't think you're going to wear down Michael Penix. Uh, If he's like he was last time, trouble. My take on it. So anyway, if you have something, you still have time. Tanner, they have time if they want? Got a minute if you want to jump in here. Um, and Might as well. I'd love to hear a thought from someone. I'd love to hear from somebody who thinks that Washington is going to win that game, actually. That's the fun of it. And uh, is there anybody out there? Is there an outlier out there? Kind of funny stuff. And, uh, by the way, people say, what's the line on this game? Well, the line on this game is four and a half. Four and a half. I mean, that's not crazy, I don't think. I mean, that's uh, that's not unreasonable. So, let's see. Uh, four and a half points. But I have to admit this. As much as I'm kind of going to be half rooting for Michael Penix and the Huskies, I kind of think at four and a half I would take Michigan, if I was a betting man, which I'm not. So in any case, that's my that's my thought on it. Thanks to Tanner Hayworth for his good work today. Uh, it's interesting doing a, doing a show, my first ever show, from a hotel room in Bakersfield, California. Amazing. Anyway, uh, stay tuned. Sports Animals up next for Tanner Hayworth from all of us. At ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.